Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. And while we were talking to Charlie Angus, NDP member of Parliament for Timmins, James Bay, we, we spoke about the uh, federal court upholding two key human rights tribunal rulings in First Nations child welfare litigation. And the court determined that uh, the federal government must assume responsibility for the provision of services to First Nations children. Sarah Clark uh, is the head of Clark Child and Family Law in Toronto. The firm was co-counsel in the federal court case for the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society of Canada. Ms. Clark joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Ms. Clark, thank you very much for the time. Uh, good afternoon to you today. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm very well, and I'm so thankful and, and just think it's wonderful that your show and this network is covering this really important piece of litigation. It's critically important. And, and let's talk about what compensation could reach. Uh, let's start with that. $2 billion, 54,000 children. Parents and grandchildren may be eligible to receive compensation. It's the first case of its kind and the first compensation of its kind in Canadian history. Please t tell us about that and why did the Human Rights Tribunal make the decision it, it did? And then I, by extension, um, why would the federal government fight it? So starting with that, the first really key point, uh, why would the Human Rights Tribunal make such a such a huge order, such a precedent setting uh, order? And that's really because um, the federal government has set its own precedent by discriminating so vastly uh, for so many years against First Nations children and their families. And that's why the numbers are so big. That's why the dollar value is so, so big. But for each individual child and each individual family that has been impacted by that discrimination, it only has impacted them and their lives. So the Canadian Human Rights Act is very clear that when discrimination has been found, uh, when it has caused pain and suffering, and when it has been willful and reckless, as it has been in this case, the victims of that discrimination are entitled to financial compensation. And that's in the amount of $40,000 uh, per victim. So for the individual, it is $40,000, but it, the numbers that you're talking about are so big because the discrimination has been going on for so long and it yeah. has impacted so many kids and so many families. You're talking 54,000 children. At least. That's at, at least. least. Mm -hmm. So um, so the federal government opposed the tribunal's decision, went to court, and they spent millions of dollars. The federal government of this country has spent millions of dollars fighting First Nations awards, which is disturbing in and of itself, because I, I don't think we know exactly uh, why they made the decisions they made uh, on, on the basis they made, unless they went to court and they were properly covered. So when it comes to this particular federal government opposition to the tribunal's decision, what was the basis of the government's argument and case? What did they argue in court? So they argued two things. First, they said that the Human Rights Tribunal did not have the jurisdiction to order this kind of compensation. Their main argument was that because the discrimination was of a systemic nature, meaning it was so vast and so widespread uh, that it was never contemplated by the Canadian Human Rights Act that an award of compensation in this magnitude could be made. Um, what we said to that was that's absolutely not the case. The legislation clearly does not put parameters on how big and how vast the discrimination is in order to cap the compensation. So that could not possibly be the case. And the federal court agreed with us. The second main argument that they made was, well, 
while we acknowledge that we discriminated against these kids, while we know we caused harm to these kids and their families, you didn't lead any individual evidence from a particular child or a particular family to form an evidentiary basis for that harm. So again, the, the, the tribunal said, well, actually, we have lots of evidence of harm in the record, and the federal court acknowledged that what the, tri- what the tribunal did was, was correct and reasonable. Um, so it's a bit strange. People do ask me all the time, why are they, why are they actually fighting this? It's hard to yeah. answer that question. Yeah, it is. They, they, they say that they did discriminate. They acknowledge the discrimination, um, and they have said in their court documents and in court that they have caused harm. So why they will not, um, you know, bear the consequences of the law, which is what the legislation says, um, is really unsettling, as you said, and and hard to really understand, particularly from this government. Well, yeah, particularly from this government, which talks a good game. Um, and, And First Nations chiefs have made that case that, you know, you talk a good game, now deliver. The the court was, was not equivocating at all in its decision, was it? No, I mean, this really, Roy, this was a slam dunk. Uh, honestly, uh, on every issue that we raised, the federal court was clear that what the tribunal did was reasonable and that, you know, really the federal government is discriminating against one of the most disadvantaged groups in our society, that it's acknowledged across all, uh, all academia, all research, all areas within our society. We acknowledge that we have done wrong here. So why the government now continues to fight these kids and these families is really, really unsettling and, of course, un- not understandable. What is your sense of what the government is going to do about the federal court ruling? Uh, Charlie Angus was just on the air with us talking about this. Mm-hmm. And he said the court has, I think he said, six or seven days. Well, the government has six or seven days to make a decision whether to appeal the federal court decision. Are you expecting an appeal? And would it now go to the Supreme Court? Uh, so we are expecting an appeal, unfortunately, um, and I say that with a heavy heart, but with some optimism. I do hope that they don't. You're quite right. They have until Friday. Um, they have until Friday, October 29th to appeal. So we will find out very shortly. Uh, if they appeal, we would first go to the Federal Court of Appeal. And if we are successful there, they could then take it to the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, So we could be actually in litigation for another two to three years with this government fighting First Nations kids in court. You said you expect them to to appeal. Well, we haven't um, we haven't seen any indication yet that they're not going to. You know, when the 2016 decision came out, the big decision that found the discrimination in this case Uh, The government uh, quite quickly, um, the ministers came um, into the media sphere, uh, you know, and and said that they were not going to appeal that decision. We haven't had that kind of um, coverage on this issue. We haven't seen much positive uh, discussion that they will not appeal this. So until Friday passes, um, I I suppose we are holding our breath. We're obviously hoping for the best, but it's important to be to be ready and to be planning for the worst. Ms. Clark, if they do appeal, what does that do to the uh, spirit of reconciliation? You know, Roy, that's such a really important question, um, and I hope that, that the government can think about that question also when it's making its final decisions in the week ahead. I don't think um, it does anything good for reconciliation. I think it really, I think 
it gives real pause on what are we doing as a country? What is the vision that this government has for us as a society, for these children and these families to know that they acknowledge the discrimination, they acknowledge the harm, but they just don't want to abide by the consequences and the rules that we have within our Canadian society, within our democracy, uh, and it's within the rule of law. The legislation provides for this compensation. This isn't something that the complainants made up. This isn't something special that they asked for. This is a clear remedy under the legislation, and all they're asking for is for the victims in this case to receive what's fair to them and what the legislation provides. And they've lost every step of the way. The government has. They, they really have. They really have. This has been a, an extraordinary case to be a part of. Um, I've never seen anything like it. This is really transformative equality in the making. Uh, and the, the, the thousands of children that the Caring Society and the Assembly of First Nations have assisted um, is, is really groundbreaking. It's historical. The government should do the right thing. They should not appeal. Uh, we should keep working on fixing the discrimination and ensuring that it doesn't happen again, because we have a lot of other work to do in this litigation. This, we are not finished. We need to fix the system so that First Nations children have access to equitable child and family services and have access to equitable social services, just like every other Canadian, just like my kids have access to. Um, that work is still undone. So we need to get that work going. We don't need to be wasting our time fighting over money. Well, they certainly have an eloquent defender. <laughs> Thanks very much, Roy. Thank you, Ms. Clark. I uh, hope you'll come back. I would love to. I would love Thank to. You. Maybe I'll Thanks. come back after they don't appeal and we can celebrate together. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.